0: Welcome to Buddha at the Gas Pump. My name is Rick Archer and my guest this week is Katie Davis. Welcome, Katie.
1: Thank you, Rick.
0: And my guest next week will be her husband, Sundance Burke. But today we're going to talk with Katie. Um, So Katie has written a book called Awake Joy. I just finished it this morning. Very good book. Um, And Katie's story is a little bit unusual in that and of course I'm going to let you tell it and not me tell it, but just to summarize, in that she had a spontaneous and irrevocable spiritual awakening um, without ever having really practiced any formal spiritual practices, nor studied with a teacher or anything like that. It just sort of happened. But you say in your book that you you had had a number of pretty profound spiritual experiences in your childhood and youth, and so I was thinking it might be a good way to start if you could tell us the story of that awakening and perhaps precede that telling with uh, kind of a reference to some of these experiences you had as a child and then leading up to this experience you had while well, actually teaching an aerobics class. Sure. Okay.
1: Uh, relatively speaking, mm-hmm. um, because it is just another story. Right and especially the uh, young experiences that you're speaking of. Uh, is a mental image of a 3-year-old. Mm-hmm. So, in um, really awakening, it's about waking up out of that story as right. well. Yeah. Well, um, you know what, I
0: get emails from people saying, but I want to hear the story, you know, because everybody says the same thing. Otherwise, and it's so fascinating to hear the circumstances of the life in which this awakening mm-hmm. occurred, you know. And and don't worry, I mean, people aren't going to sort of identify with your particular story and feel like that's the way it's got to be, because if they listen to this show regularly, they've heard a hundred of them, so and they're all different.
1: Thank you. <laughs> the um, probably the first. Uh, spiritual experience, if you will, that I had was as a three-year-old. Uh, I was in um, had an operation, and um, after the, during the operation, I rose up out of my body and was hovering on the ceiling. And I heard um, that my body was all right, and was suddenly whisked away down the rabbit hole, I guess you could call it. It It's very gleeful, is the memory of it. And uh, streams of light. And then I noticed, uh, well, it was a small light at first and came closer and closer to it. And merged into it, and then everything was gone. Um, When I woke up from the surgery... Uh, I had this sense that somehow uh, I had died. There was a tremendous fear of um, death. It was soon forgotten. Uh, But it also gave me a very clear understanding that I'm far more than the body. Mm. And Um, you you
0: understood that as a three-year-old and remembered it?
1: I have a mental image of it. Yeah. My mother said that uh, when I was tiny, that um, I don't remember this, but she said I was always asking her when I became a girl, Hmm. and um, so there was some level of inquiry going on then. Um,
0: I remember having an argument with my mother when I was a child. And I insisted that when I had been younger, I had actually been able to fly around the house and fly up and down the stairs and stuff like that. And she said, no, dear, you never did that. I said, I I remember (laughs) it. It was so clear.
1: (laughs) Probably, um, I don't know whether this is unusual, but uh, I loved being, just simply being as a child, whether uh, sitting by my grandmother's lake or... Um, on a sand dune Mm -hmm. and there was a if things would go wrong in the life situation there was this uh, sanctuary if you will um, that was just resting being and in fact um, when I first started sharing and someone asked for help I had worked with this person for almost three months and they said um, you're always speaking of being you know, what What do you mean by that? And it seemed to me so normal throughout my life that um, it was really surprising that uh, it, that that is not accessible to all. Yeah, consciously, anyway. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, let's see. perhaps
0: in your book you also mentioned that um, when you were young a a companion of yours had a surgery and then um, ended up dying and knew she was going to die the, the day that she died she she oh, right. told her mother that she was going to die that night and she did actually and that, that some in fact not only that story but perhaps several others that you you recollect in retrospect you you saw them as having been perfectly instrumental in orchestrating the awakening that you eventually had.
1: Yes, that's right. I wasn't aware at the time that all of my life experiences were actually pointing to this. It's probably true for everyone.
0: I I was going to say, I think it's true for all seven billion of us, (laughs) although it certainly doesn't always seem like it when you're in the the thick of it, you know.
1: (laughs) Yes, uh, Sherry was my best friend and uh, she died. And that was another confirmation that you're certainly more than the body right. uh, to see her lifeless and yet as life. Um, I guess there was a an amazing experience uh, as a teenager. I was a member of a Presbyterian youth group, mm-hmm. and uh, we went on a camping trip, and uh, there was a young woman that was a an atheist and the uh, youth leader was trying to convince her in the tent one evening with about six or eight of us there uh, to convert uh, and to give away these attitudes and feelings that she had and the conversation seemed to go for hours huh. and I just remember dropping my head face down in in the pillow and said, you know, thought just leave her alone. And there was suddenly this unbelievable stillness and peace that uh, filled the tent. We all sat up. Very um, vibratory. There was glowing light and I remember turning around to look behind me if um, there were headlights from a car uh, and then just completely still and the youth minister asked her uh, how she felt now and she was completely transformed so I know now that that was actually an experience of who I am and very quickly, however, in the youth group by morning became a story of a miracle of experiencing the presence of God in a, in a dual manner. And of course, the ego went about its way, um, living the life of a teenager. It was long forgotten.
0: So do you think that you're asking, you know, whatever, with your face in the pillow, to leave her alone? Had somehow been a catalyst for the intervention of some of Jesus or some higher being, or or, or what do you think actually happened there?
1: I think uh, stillness consciously arose for everyone there spontaneously
0: by virtue of your uh, in, in no. vo- invoking it in, what, in some way. Were you instrumental, or did it just had that was coincidental I think that you
1: it's coincidental.
0: Oh, okay, okay,
1: and caused,
0: yeah, just happened. Although I suppose we can never really know any of these things for certain, you know, it's hard to assign causality to anything, as the Gita says, karma is unfathomable. Um, okay. So and of course
1: w- then there was all the life situation experiences of mm-hmm. gymnastics and dance, having to have that level of concentration.
0: You are a cheerleader, right? That's, <laughs> yes, that's That's, that's, a bit, that's gymnastic also. Okay. <laughs>
1: And uh, as an aerobics instructor, I had aerobics studios for a while. Mm -hmm. There was an inward focus, a concentration on breathing. Mm -hmm. Uh, That may, you know, rather than observing thoughts, oh, that was another thing, was that uh, I went through uh, a rational emotive therapy for a while, where rational emotive therapy...
0: Mm, I hadn't heard of that.
1: uh, Which is... Um, well, it's self-observation Okay. and watching your thoughts mm-hmm. and how they in, in fact cause your emotions. Mm-hmm. And so that self-observation was already there, not with the purpose of awakening. Um, and then you want to know the awakening.
0: Yeah, but just, of, before you tell that, I was just going to say, so in a sense, you did do practices. They weren't sort of consciously and explicitly to bring about an awakening, but you you did all this physical stuff, which might be comparable in a way to yoga that someone might practice for the purpose mm-hmm. of awakening. And you also did this rational emotive therapy, which had a certain influence on you. So, you yeah, know, and as you say, all of life's experiences are influential in ultimately bringing about our awakening. So,
1: and they were so focused on the body.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're really tuned in. Really,
1: it. really inside and feeling your body.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. Which I mean, in even itself even, is a spiritual practice in some circles very mm-hmm. explicitly you know, to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So in the aerobic studio that day, just another exercise class and yeah. music blaring and the rhythm. And um, everything went into slow motion and that wasn't an unusual experience. Uh, but suddenly there was um, an astounding, really, sense that uh, there, I was sensing some new dimension, if you will, and it was extremely sacred. And um, suddenly I was just fell so deeply within the body and beyond it um, that all experience vanished. Um, when consciousness reappeared, my body was somehow above me, still teaching aerobics. Hmm. And actually that um, detachment uh, was a state that I was in for 12 years, hmm. where the life situation seemed almost like heat haze, if you will.
0: Ah, interesting. Mm-hmm. I read a, a quote from Nasargadatta just the other day, which I could actually call up my computer if we wanted to. But he he used that same phrase. He said that the the sort of the relative world had become like a misty haze, um, and that the reality in which he lived if uh, that's not quite the way he put it was rock hard. So 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 much so that it made diamonds seem like butter.
1: hmm <laughs> It's beautiful.
0: Yeah. Um, so, I didn't quite get it from your book, but when that experience happened to you, did the people in the aerobics class notice anything weird happen to you, like you kind of zoned out for a while and stopped teaching, or did everything on the outside appear normally? As
1: um, There was a immediate understanding that everything in this field of what I call nature, which is this physical space, mm-hmm. with all that can be contacted by the senses, where the body is, Is happening completely by itself, and there wasn't any recognition at all um, from anyone apparently outside.
0: Okay, you just kept on jumping around and doing what you were doing. But it happened. But but it it switched to automatic. You're just without any um, sort of individual volition at that point
1: right i mean really much like a dream when you're dreaming at night yeah except a daytime dream mhm that happens by itself and there's a great ease in that actually
0: mm-hmm. yeah i mean there must have been to the contrast between having lived a life in which you thought yourself to be the doer of action and there was all this responsibility associated with that to all of a sudden Everything's happening by itself, and you can just sort of kick back and hear <laughs> the witness, right? Exactly. Yeah. Huh.
1: But as a witness, uh, that's a reference point as well. Mm-hmm. And
0: um, so that as, went on for twelve years, you say? hmm Yeah.
1: There was either formlessness, uh-huh. or the world of form, and perhaps if I had a teacher at that point. I would have recognized that uh, there wasn't a full integration of it. Yeah.
0: Now at that point, when that first happened, of course, you had no real foundation or background for understanding what had happened to you, but it didn't freak you out because it's, it's, it was enjoyable, right? You went home and you lay in a field and you looked at a flower and the whole thing was delightful, so what, you didn't know what it was, but whatever it was, it was nice. Mm-hmm.
1: The body was out there sensing and feeling in a manner that um I'd never experienced before,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and yet it was distant, completely detached from form
0: right from what was distant the body or uh, or the witness the mean? whole
1: the whole world of form as well as the body- well,
0: the whole world of form and the body were detached from you from, from the wit from the witness right, right, right. I thought you were saying the body was detached from the world of form but the body and the as part of the world of form was detached from the witness. Mhm. Okay. Um, I hope I'm not interrupting too much. I'm just kind of No, no, that's fine. Good. At squeezing out little bits of information as we go along. Um, now of course again you didn't know what was going on at that point but it didn't freak you out. I, I say I say that again because there's an interesting book by a woman named Suzanne Siegel in which she had a shift like that. But and and also, even though she had actually been a meditation teacher, for some reason she didn't put it into any kind of context of understanding, and she was terrified. You know, there was all of a sudden this loss of of personal identity, and and it, it, she lived in a state of fear for ten years before she finally figured out what was going on and relaxed into it. Uh, but in your case, fortunately, that didn't happen.
1: Yeah, it crushed the ego completely, and uh, that was really the end of suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was amazing, really.
0: Yeah. Now, did you immediately run down to your local, you know, new age bookstore and start, you know, just trying to figure out what this was? I mean, what was? I didn't.
1: Your, uh... I didn't know the word new age. Right. I didn't know the word enlightenment. I had no intellectual reference whatsoever. Yes, I went to bookstores.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And Talked I to couldn't find. And... Yeah, yeah, talked to, went to a physical doctor mm-hmm. and a psychiatrist and a psychologist and um, mm-hmm. spiritual teachers. But without, you know, I just explained what had happened and shared that just like we're dreaming at night, we can wake up from this daytime dream and they raise their eyebrows a little bit. <laughs> um, and the answers, weren't there, and I have to say that that was really good that they weren't, hmm. because the uh, understanding and um, the integration was left to, I don't know, happen by itself, hmm. without concepts, without um, confirmation of this is right or that is wrong. Yeah, you know, it, uh, it just was undeniable And incredibly beautiful.
0: These days, if something like that happens to somebody, and it is happening to people, um, they pretty easily and quickly find, you know,
1: there's so much support right now. Yeah,
0: I mean, if if they didn't already know about it, there's you know, even Eckhart Tolle, of course, had a similar story where his his awakening was spontaneous, but and then he spent quite some time filling in the gaps and getting integrated. But um, you know, as you say, there's much more support now. So you were kind of a pioneer in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um now but jumping ahead and we'll we'll we won't jump ahead too much there's still plenty to cover, um in your book I, I, you know, you have it so carefully parsed out. I mean, you know, there's four stages of surrender and there's all this great detail about the unfoldment, um, which obviously you've given it a lot of thought. Uh, so did you kind of come up with this You know, very detailed and comprehensive understanding pretty much on your own, or at a certain point did you begin resorting to, I know you you studied with Eckhart for a while and and were his office manager and stuff, I mean did you sort of resort to teachers at a certain point in order to fill in your understanding?
1: Uh, Eckhart wasn't really uh, my teacher. Uh, We met him before the power of now and was a friend, Mm -hmm. delightful friend. Uh, And I wasn't a manager at his office. I I did work in his offices and helped out. Mm -hmm. We were uh, invited to travel on his uh, first Power of Now tour. Mm -hmm. And uh, really remarkable to see the numbers in the mainstream who were open to this teaching. Yeah. So, did you ask me a question?
0: Yeah, just... (laughs) um, (sighs) Uh, well, the question was, oh, about, oh, no, your, under, you your understanding is so detailed and so kind of systematic and thorough, it, from, from what I g- gather from your book, with you know r- really kind of fine distinctions between stages of surrender and stages of awakening and stages of the heart developing and all this, that I wonder whether you had completely cooked that up from your own experience, like pulling yourself up right. by your own bootstraps, or whether at a certain point you began reading all the books and you know f- seeing what the traditional... Um, spiritual teachings were?
1: Uh, Actually working directly with people and sharing with people and even writing the book itself was Mm -hmm. an opportunity to organize it uh, in a manner that was quite intuitive. Mm -hmm. The book um, really wrote itself in a way and then at the end um, there was a very intuitive moving sections of the book completely around without any thought or consideration of where they were landing. Hmm. Um, but actually, I used to be uh, a high school teacher, so I was used to working with people. Yeah. And uh, a lot of teaching is, is listening uh, and hearing where people are coming from, understanding how they're looking. And when I'm working with people, um, that's the thing. It's where are they looking from? Mm-hmm. And so, so it,
0: oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, please oh, Okay. Well, so I was just going to ask. Um, so all of the knowledge that you bring out in the book, pretty much. Has been developed just through working with people. Um, Yes. You never kind of went back and filled in the gaps and studied with this teacher or read read a whole lot of books or anything else. It's just I read.
1: I've read every book that I could find once I found out. (laughs) Oh, I. But um, you know, had intellectual reference, enlightenment, self-realization, scriptures. I read everything that there was available.
0: Okay, good, and put it in the context of your own experience, obviously.
1: Mm, it was reading to me uh, since The Awakening is more like a meditation, mm-hmm. and uh, rather than for information, mm-hmm. and there are so many beautiful books. It's just amazing, really.
0: Yeah, how is it like a meditation?
1: Well, you don't need a reader in order to read. Uh-huh. The eyes do just fine.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, if you can just rest in the love of being, you know, love is really key. Everything that's required is there for you all the time. Mm-hmm. Whether you're reading a book, I mean, all the words point to what is false. The truth really can't be spoken. So, everything that you're pointing to is uh, pointing to a surrender of some sort.
0: So, if all the words that can be written or spoken are false or are pointing to that which is false, why why write or speak at all?
1: When I first sharing out of the home, um, I did have just silence. And I really think that's the most profound teaching there can be.
0: You would just sit with people in silence?
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But there's much that can be spoken. You can right. point to Um, what needs to be surrendered you see you already are this ultimate reality Mm -hmm. all that is required is already here and you are that you're not a psychological sense of self that's in the process of becoming something more Mm -hmm. and so there's the invitation really to stop and of course there's questions that can be spontaneously answered, which are always perfect. Um, But if you can see it, if you can speak it, uh, if there's an object, or for that matter, even a subject, it's going to end up being surrendered. And even the power... Of um, the frequency of pure beingness assists the mind, if you will, whatever you would like to call the mind. The thought process slows down, and perhaps it can be recognized what's underneath, even right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Are you are you saying this primarily in the context of? Uh, y- your role as a teacher, and, and when you're sitting with someone, then the, the pure beingness in that atmosphere helps their mind to stop and, and recognize what's already there. Is that, what you, is that what you're really saying?
1: Yes, I think there's a um, resonation.
0: Yes. Right.
1: That um, allows everything to slow down. Mm. A presence, if you will.
0: Sometimes the word transmission is used, but I sort of like the word resonance more because it implies more of a an attunement rather than a transmission from point A to point B, you know, like a kind yes, of a there com- no such cosmic zapping process or something. <laughs> I cannot
1: transmit to you who you already are.
0: Right, right.
1: So an, an analogy that I often use uh, is it helps part the clouds. Yeah. On a cloudy day, the sun is always there. So that's a lot what what can be surrendered. Yeah. But most importantly far more important is who are you? Mm-hmm. At some point attention needs to shift from the objects the thought, the object the body, physical sensations, the senses, the subtle body, the causal body, the emotional body and focus back on the one that's aware right now. If I were to ask you now if you are aware, if um are you conscious right now? Of course, yes. Yeah. And are you aware of being? Yes. Would you say that you are aware?
0: Yeah, but you know it's it's sort of like uh, obviously words trip us up a bit when we talk about this kind of thing because it's not like I'm aware of being the way I'm aware of this wall uh, as if being were some object and then th- there could be an eye separate from the object that's aware of the being. Um, it's more like, you know, you are that and you kind of rest in that or reside in that and then and then it's not even like that is aware of Monitor and headphones and Katie, and and some it's somehow because the, to say that even is is you know the, the word aware becomes a verb and it's like being has some little uh, you know faculties I, with which it was with it does things <laughs> and that that's not the nature of it you know and,
1: exactly and that that is really why um, I have always focused on self inquiry. Mm-hmm unfocusing on this feeling of Mm -hmm. I-ness.
0: Unfocusing on it, did you say?
1: Focusing. Focusing on it, right, right. On the feeling of I-ness.
0: Yeah, similar to Ramana Maharshi's thing.
1: Exactly. It's direct. Yeah. I is far more than a thought, and it's the I that transcends all the levels of consciousness. Mm -hmm. I is just the word. We realize where it's pointing.
0: It's funny when you brought up. Whereas, that in, it, I'm sorry. Go
1: excuse ahead. me. Whereas, yeah. if you are searching for awareness, mm-hmm. let's say, you've made awareness into an object.
0: Exactly. Right.
1: Or if you are contemplating on the heart dimension, mm-hmm. uh, you've made the heart dimension into an object, mm-hmm. and that, there's no problem in that. Much can be observed. Watching your thoughts, of course, um, makes it so that you're not so identified with them. So the thought process slows in the observation. But who's looking and who is here now?
0: That's not something you want me to answer, is it? Sure. <laughs> well, in, in the st- in the structure of my experience, um, there, which you know, I'm quite sure, is not even remotely as um, clear as your experience from having read your book. Um, There there are all these sort of like... It's like a layer cake, you know? There there are all these dimensions that coexist nicely together that are, um, in a sense, paradoxically unlike one another, but that get along just fine. I mean, there's the pure, silent being level, and there's the the active... The the body level and a bunch of stuff in between. And I... uh, And, you know, having been a long-time meditation practitioner, uh, I don't think... The being level... Um, is not um, there's there's nothing needs to be done in order to maintain it. That would be divisive and manipulative in a way. You know, it's just there, like breathing or uh, automatic. You know, it's kind of you know, regardless of circumstances, whether hectic or peaceful. Mm-hmm. Um, so,
1: uh, so rather than uh, you were mentioning the layers. there, is allow, rather than focusing on any particular level, Mm -hmm. is it possible to be wide open and just allow all to be as it is, that essential beingness? Yeah. Driving the car?
0: Sure, I mean, yeah, I'm not focusing on layers or trying to do anything while I'm Driving the car, or cutting the grass, or working, or talking to you, or anything else—things just—it's it's a natural kind of state, you know. And and I, I would, it would be tedious, and uh, re- I should think unpleasant if one had to sort of be on one's toes all day long, kind of doing something in order to maintain some sort of state, you know. Right. It's very
1: relaxed.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it gets into your bones after a while, and it's just. Mm-hmm. automatic and i'm not i don't mean to imply uh you know that i'm some sort of i you know enlightened person that is uh, is about to hit the lecture circuit or anything else um you know this it's not my role but
1: there you know the, there, there are no enlightened people
0: right 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah Sound like Tony Parsons, um, <laughs> really? You know him? Yeah. Uh, yes, I do. Actually, yeah, you can't say a thing like that to him without getting your your you know fingers slapped. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to um, loop back a little bit. Um, what was I going to say? Feel free to interject if you, if something comes to mind. Oh, the thing about the sun, is funny because just when you used that analogy, before you used it, I was about to ask a question about that analogy, and then you came out with it. Um, and the thing I was going to say, it was sort of more of a statement question, was just that, um, you know, th- the sun's always shining, as you said. Mm-hmm. And um, there's nothing that wind can do, for instance, to influence the way the sun shines, it just shines. But wind can have an influence on clouds, which might be obscuring the sun for people. Um, So, you know, sometimes people say, well, there's nothing you can do, and all techniques are counterproductive, and so on and so forth. But, you know, as Ramana Maharshi said, it it could take a thorn to remove a thorn. And in the back of your book, you do offer a dozen different little practices and meditations, um, which would be like the wind, to kind of help to thin the clouds a bit.
1: Yes, silent sitting or meditation um, are wonderful practices. It helps a very scattered mind become concentrated with a single-pointed focus. Mm -hmm. Um, And yet, there's that reference point of the meditator who's trying to take maybe more time and experience to get somewhere to be free of experience. You can't, just can't take more time to be free of time. Yeah. Well,
0: it kind of depends on how you go about it, doesn't it? I mean, different mm-hmm. practices, some practices could in fact reinforce the notion of you know, individual identity kind of locked into isolated boundaries, whereas others could relax it.
1: Mm-hmm. The thing about, um, what do you mean, individual boundary?
0: Well, you know, as many teachers say, and I think, as you have said in some places in your book, um, you know, some sorts of practices could actually um, kind of be self-defeating because they would uh, kind of augment or or, or reinforce uh, the sort of notion of I as an isolated individual, you know, who must get something, <laughs> whereas others would tend to sort of defuse that that sense and, and relax, enable, enable it to be sort of relaxed and let go of.
1: Yes, yeah, so individual sense of self, right? that idea of selfhood, uh, is what surrenders. Right. You, see, you see through that. The beautiful body and its given name still has its function in the world of form, mm-hmm. um, but you are free of that separation from this Absolute that you are and this idea of being this tiny fraction uh, that holds together all these attitudes, concepts, beliefs, judgments. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe the first step then would be for people to realize that, well, to step out of time helps them to be completely aware of their body. Like right now, just being, having the sense of being alive and sensing and feeling it. Maybe even aware of how beautiful and delicate the air feels as it's moving in and out your nose. And just being still with that for a moment. Mm -hmm. There are no thoughts. Even the I thought needs time. And it's the attachment to the I-thought as identity uh, that takes you into suffering. So instead of trying to change the person and get better emotions and better thoughts, again, we turn our attention back to just that instant of stepping into time and attachment to the concept of i We use I all day long to communicate. There's no problem with that. Um, But we don't need to identify that, objectify ourselves in that manner. Limiting ourselves to the body only.
0: Well, we don't need to, but... um... It's the vast majority of humanity does just mm-hmm. that, you know, without even knowing they're doing that. I mean, that's the way people are wired, and that's the way they kind of grow up. Um, we it was pretty t- pretty unusual for someone to ha- have happened to them what happened to you.
1: Well, it's a completely um, programmed and very much a habit. Yeah. And habits are difficult to break.
0: And as you know, some habits are deeply ingrained, and others very, you know, tenuously. And um, in in your case, I think somehow the programming and the the habituation was was tenuous, you know, and easily sort of seen through at a certain point. It happened spontaneously, whereas with other people, they could have a truckload of you know, habits and, mm-hmm. and, and and conditioning weighing on their shoulders, and it's pretty unlikely that it's just going to go poof at any point without some sort of process to lighten the load.
1: Lighten the load is right. Yeah. I mean, this ego, which is the basically only the concept of I, just focus on that. We've been carrying that toy all the w- way through our lives. And yet in the beginning, we were taught that. You know, We point to the body, we say, I, and assume yeah. that we are limited to the body. And so at some point, if you're lucky, you just become curious, mm-hmm. really curious, to find out who you are. When uh, people start, sometimes I see people a lot when they uh, there's a rising dispassion. You know, it's just sort of like um, they feel like they're just not so enthused with the life situation anymore. Mm -hmm. And usually I can be pretty certain that they're really coming close to at least a glimpse because there is a turning away not in denial I have to say that quickly uh, nothing is denied but where is where is the attention what are you attending and who is attending mm. and become very curious of who you are noticing how suffering Happens, recognizing that it's identification with I in time and then judgment and then your body contracts and you're in a negative emotion. I mean, you are absolutely indestructible. This radiant love that you are and it never changes. And there can be many life circumstances, or you know, ego attacks, perhaps, that maybe rude comments or road rage, whatever it is. But it, you're clear and open. You only start suffering when you judge it. The ego state of consciousness is in a constant state of reaction. And that's why they're suffering. Free of judgment, if you can just allow it to be as it is. It's actually a gift to the person who's being rude in our example that we were talking about. Uh, because all they can see is their own self they see their own rudeness perhaps it's almost like being transparent and open you're unaffected and free there's an acceptance at least in this instant that this moment is as it is I mean that's just intelligent. It already is, and uh, then there might be a response. See what spontaneously, how you're moved. I mean, I'm not saying to stay in um, horrible circumstances
2: right.
1: and being abused or or whatever the circumstance is. Um, but I'm just talking about this instant and just allowing things to be as they are.
0: When is the last time that something like that happened to you? Somebody mm-hmm. yelling at you in traffic or in a grocery store, or, you know, being rude or something like that. Can you recall an instance?
1: Um, yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Was there any tendency to recoil or contract or react or was, was that just, uh, was your sort of reaction? the same as it might have been if someone had come up in, in a friendly way or you're looking at a sunset or something, was there just complete sort of dispassion?
1: There is a, a well of compassion mm-hmm. that comes up, of love, mm-hmm. of recognizing um, the ego state of consciousness for what it is and allowing it to be.
0: So Forgive them, Father, they know not what they do.
1: Yeah, even forgiveness needs time. Mm-hmm.
0: So sp- instantaneous, spontaneous yeah. acceptance of the c- circumstances. Mm-hmm.
1: Huh. And we were in Europe uh, to offer satsang, and we were traveling from Spain to Paris uh, to catch a flight onto our wonderful heart friends in Bristol. And Our flight was, I don't remember, maybe an hour late. And of course, when we got to Paris, uh, we didn't know whether we were going to miss the next flight. And so that could be a big problem, right? You have people waiting uh, in London to pick you up. But things just are as they are. There's such an ease in living. It's so simple. Uh, go to the ticket counter, exchange your tickets. Mm-hmm. It's all happening by itself. Oh, we miss the the connection. It's just all of the anxiety and stress. Yeah. That we can be free of.
0: Yep. No, that's a good example, and uh, I've gone through similar things. You know like, all right, I'm not going to make that connection. Let's, and I might not even get anywhere tonight. Let's see what happens. <laughs> <You know>?
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then, And then even um, you know going back to the example of someone uh, saying something rude to you, mm-hmm. perhaps someone does react. Can you allow that same compassion to be there for yourself? Mm -hmm. or the ego self.
0: If you react, you mean. Yeah, just allowing
1: that to be and aware of that. If you are aware of that and just allow it to be, it's the observing that is the transformative power Mm -hmm. without trying to change a single thing. And compassion and understanding rather than a spiritual ego that goes, this is terrible, I know that I shouldn't be in... Reaction. There I went again. I was lost in time. I just stop.
0: Sometimes a lot of this stuff, though, gets into the description versus prescription situation, you mm-hmm. know, where a person like yourself can be describing the way they function and mm-hmm. describing the way they deal with situations that come up. Uh, and it's not necessarily how Another person, average person necessarily, is going to function uh, or deal. And so, you know, the, the person sort of hears this description and tries to take it as a prescription and then tries to, tries to act yeah. in, the, in this sort of compassionate, accepting way. And it's just not coming naturally to them, you know? Yeah, um, so so would you say fake it till you make it? Or would you, no. what would you say to this situation?
1: <laughs> Find out who you are. Yeah, and then so
0: it'll be natural for you.
1: Allow your mate freedom to be who he or she is and um, become very curious about yourself.
0: Mm-hmm. So then if if really finding That's out Never a you,
1: prescription.
0: Yeah, so if, if finding out who, who you are is really the crux of the matter and it's going to take care of how you behave, then what is the value in Desc- you know spending time describing how one would behave once one has found out who they are
2: mm-hmm.
0: what do you think i mean what is what is the utility of offering a description of how a person's functions when everything is accepted without reaction or judgment uh, if that's not how a person who hasn't found out who they are. Is going to behave? Is it sort of offered as an inspiration to you know find out who you are, so that you'll be able to deal with situations that way as well?
1: It's an offer. I mean, it's an invitation to discover that you can be free of these suffering states of consciousness. Mm-hmm. If you are free of time and the attachment to the I thought as identity, it's mm-hmm. limited to the body. That's the bottom line. Yeah. You know, in therapy, a lot of times, um, people will tell many stories and try to improve that false sense of self. Allow it to be as it is and understand the mechanism of how it is operating. Watch it directly rather than trying to change the life story. Mm -hmm. A life story is going to transform as you transform, a perfect mirror. Mm A perfect example might be if you were looking in your bathroom mirror and you wake up in the morning and your hair is a mess, you would never pick up your comb and try to comb your hair in the mirror.
0: Right, in other words, you wouldn't comb the mirror, you'd you'd comb your actual hair.
1: Yeah. So, I guess that isn't such a good analogy because I'm indicating that there's something to do. I'm just saying look in the right direction.
0: Yeah, it's uh, a good one. Analogies
1: always leave, have the limitations. Leave the image, the image alone mm-hmm. and find out who you are beyond the image, beyond the body, beyond yeah. the mind, mm-hmm. beyond your emotions. And then everything naturally transforms in that observation.
0: Yeah. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all else shall be added unto thee. Thank you. So putting no the dice ho- horse before the cart. <laughs> the Gita says it too. There's all this discussion about I don't know, between Krishna and Arjuna about how we're going to deal with this situation. I don't want to fight and so on and so forth. And Krishna says, you know, Yoga star Kur, Kuru Karmani established in being, perform action. Mm-hmm. And then it'll be spontaneously right.
1: Yes, and we're always established in being,
0: but consciously, knowingly. Right. Yeah.
1: Right. And it's again, it's what are you attending? Where are you looking? Mm-hmm. I our June is quite the story.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a very metaphorically interesting story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, here's a question for you. And feel free to always tell me if if I'm asking a question too soon. And there's something you want to say because you're a lot more settled than I am, and I te- keep jumping in with yes. the questions <laughs> when you probably are just pausing for breath. But um, you know, just as you know, we have a body. Uh, there's a body. It functions. There's a and a brain, and that enables it to function marvelously. And there are eyes and senses. And and now when we start talking about senses, it gets a little bit more subtle because there's a sort of a subtle aspect to the senses. And uh, you know and there 's an intellect which again is intangible, but has it 's a function which decides and discriminates, and then there 's a mind again intangible which thinks thoughts and connects things and so on and so forth now, just as all those things are sort of f- practical functional faculties, um, which, if we wish to, could we could boil down to nothingness, you know taking it all down either through the uh, understanding with physics or, under, or through spiritual understandings to the state of being. Um, couldn't it also be, and uh, would you say, that there's also the faculty of ego or individual sense of self, which um, doesn't completely become obliterated with awakening, but just sort of takes its rightful place, and, and uh, as being seen as not running the show anymore, but still having a, a practical utility in living life. Mm-hmm. Would, would you agree with
1: that? Um, I've, I don't find an ego.
0: Do you find an intellect I don't, or a, a and mind or find, any of those other things?
1: Well, what do we mean by mind? By mind, uh, where that points means the body,
2: mm-hmm.
1: emotions,
2: mm-hmm.
1: subtle energies, the idea of selfhood, um mental images which means memory probably mm-hmm. cognition and um perception and there's someone that is aware of all that yeah and that's who you are right so yes your description was was wonderful um like I said earlier, the, there's this dimension, if you will, of, of nature. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the body and its sensing. Uh, and then there's the field of attention, uh, which is the mental space of time, perception, and cognition. And so there's something prior to that. And you know the investigation. Um, pretty much, sort of like um, what's the old analogy peeling an onion, layer after layer, is burned away, and constantly reveals something deeper. Uh, and what remains is you.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, I understand that, and. But what I'm trying to get at is, um, you know, just as you say, this the essence of what you are is is that which is aware of all these things that we just itemized. Um, do you uh, acknowledge or recognize, um, you know, among the various relative faculties that we've just been discussing, um, a- aside from the the essence, you know, being pure consciousness? You know, but among various relative faculties, is there still a jiva or a individua- individual sort of sense i mean if somebody calls comes in the room and says, "Hey, Katie, and there are ten people in the room, Katie turns her head. so uh, you know they still come
1: home to the same house yeah right? yeah, yeah right yeah.
0: You, and the IRS knows where you are and <laughs>
1: all, <laughs> all of those excuse me all of those practical things uh, mm-hmm. the practical knowledge says. And I guess you could call that conditioning that if someone calls my name, I practically know that this body's name is Katie. Um, You can call me Mom and my head turns. You could call me any number of names, I guess, that different roles that I play. And those are just roles. It's just that identity um, I would like to say pure, but I don't want that to be misunderstood either, you know, like some perfect being, which you are actually. The sense of identity, you know, you realize that you're not the ego, or maybe through investigation you realize that the ego is nothing more than the concept of I that is at further attached to concepts, beliefs, mm-hmm. and attitudes.
0: So I guess my question is, can there still be a concept of I, but no longer have it predominate or, you know, entrap you? Uh, Just as there could, you know, if you want to call the intellect a concept or the body a concept or the emotions, you know, all these other things that we live as human beings. Um, Because, you know, in spiritual circles, it's often said that, you know, one should or will obliterate the ego, destroy it, and so on. And I'm wondering whether that ever really happens or whether there's still some functional uh, mechanism which we could describe as ego, but it just no longer is holding the reins. It Mm -hmm. just no longer has any sort of predominant role. It's it's more like just one of our several faculties and maybe a fundamental one. Mm -hmm.
1: You don't need to destroy the ego, Mm -hmm. first of all you need to discover whether there really is one.
0: <laughs> and, if you dis- and when that discovery is made, is there?
1: Uh, I guess the analogy that came to mind while you were um, sharing uh, was that of um, a tree. Uh-huh. Here where we're living, there's these beautiful, tall, evergreen trees. Um, I'm the whole tree what you see is maybe the branches and the trunk. Yeah. And we could equate that, I suppose, to the ego.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I have these roots that you can't see at all, and those roots run very deep. Mm-hmm. And beyond that there is this solid rock of the Absolute.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You couldn't pin me down out of any of those, the identity is, this isn't quite right, first realized as the base only, and then integrated as the whole tree. So, the question about the role of the person, absolutely. You know, we're about being human as well. Mm -hmm. But the role of the ego, the second you identify you're in separation, and you will step into struggle and conflict.
0: Well, that's understood, and but the the analogy you gave of the, the tree is is beautiful, and it answers my question basically, which is, you know, you you're the whole tree, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, to, and all from the tips of the br- top branches all the way down to the root, and including the ground, the solid ground. Yeah, and and the key word is identification, you know, because. Um, most people are just identified with that which is manifest and obvious and you know are totally unaware uh, or largely unaware of you know the, the deeper aspect uh, so I think the essential question was you know is are any of the relative structures which we appear to have already utterly eliminated or are they just sort of placed in the rightful context with a much deeper foundation that is our you know kind of our Grounding, our grounding uh, where we reside and and then we as you say there's this integration and embodiment and uh, with the whole package mm-hmm. but but on the foundation of that rock like
1: basis rather than giving a right or wrong answer mm-hmm. to that a yes or no i would just encourage people to investigate and see what it is directly
0: yeah no, good
1: how much during the integration uh, mm-hmm. that occurs, uh, you could pick up that heavy old ego yeah.
2: okay.
1: and put it on like a sweater to wear, and you okay. could further load yourself up with a few concepts and beliefs uh, and carry them around with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that is an option, where you can truly be free um i guess there's preferences um when i go grocery sh- shopping i see the body naturally reaching out for certain foods and and not others and i i honor that it just i see it happening mm-hmm. um but i guess i also have well there's certain vegetables that i prefer over others but that seems to be a body thing rather than a belief in judgment. Right. Did that answer your question, Rick?
0: Yeah, I think it helped. Um, and obviously, if you had a hundred so-called enlightened people, excuse the term, uh, and they all went to the same grocery store, no, none of them are going to come up with a shopping cart that has the identical items in it. People are all going to have their... there's always going to be individual preferences to each mm-hmm. sort of
1: but even you know, even there, allowing the body intelligence um, rather than a mental list of this is good to eat and that is bad to eat, and this is what you know. Even planning, planning is a good use of a mind, of mind,
2: mm-hmm.
1: of thought. It's very good at that. But even that, we can let go in the moment, anyway.
0: Yeah. It has its function, and, and, but it, it's one of those things that gets kind of um, out of proportion in many people's lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, how about your own integration? I mean, you had this awakening in the exercise class, and f- was there a whole process going on for many years, which you would describe as integration or embodiment, or you know, how whatever term is most uh, meaningful to you?
1: Yes, was. The witness uh, surrendered. It, mm-hmm. um, there was no process to that; it just happened by itself. And uh, I would guess my—I would say—my body now is the appearance of the universe. Uh huh. <laughs> How dramatic!
0: What do you mean by that?
1: Um, which includes the body named Katie. Mm hmm. But not limited to that. Ah,
0: so are you saying that as if, like, the universe is, is my body and, and this Katie thing that people, you know, address when they want to talk to, then mm-hmm. that, that's just like a little, like a cell in the larger body?
1: Yes, that so loves living and mm-hmm. enjoys playing. Mm. You know, that. Mm you're just not confined to that little boat right. anymore. Hmm. It's a very large playing field.
0: Although in a funny way, it's like there's still some kind of location here. I mean, you know, you you, you see the world through Katie's eyes, you don't see the world through the eyes of the bird up in the tree, or do you? you know.
1: Oh no, I see the eyes, see the bird, the mind and Interprets, interprets the image
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and that happens uh, but who's looking
2: uh,
0: yeah
1: am I a body only or is this, there this massive field of consciousness that uh, is neither inside nor outside um, that is completely available even if the field of attention focuses down on threading a needle, let's say, is the experience whole and complete? Probably, I just would like to say the most beautiful thing um, is this sense of fulfillment and completion. Mm -hmm. Um, There's no longer anywhere to go. And yet there might be travel or no travel, or accomplishments or no accomplishments. Um,
0: So in other words, you're already fulfilled and complete, regardless of what you do or don't do, accomplish or don't accomplish.
1: Exactly. Success, no success. Mm -hmm. Report done on time, not done on time. (laughs) Your friend comes, your friend leaves.
0: I think most people would understand that that you know fulfillment is not contingent upon circumstances. Um it has and I mean you talk about this quite a bit in your book too that um ultimately fulfillment is not derived from f- circumstances or ou- outer things and if it is if that's what you're dependent upon then you're on pretty shaky grounds because it's always going to be going up and down. Um and you know the for for you, the whole orientation has shifted, which is, you know...
1: Well, it was such a t- tremendous change. Yeah. Um, from going back to the life story, speaking relatively again about that, mm-hmm. uh, I was an achiever in constant, uh, always had passions, mm-hmm. I wasn't aware of the fact that I was trying to complete myself through all of that becoming. Uh, and... There isn't any of that now, you know. The, there is not the idea that something can complete what's already full.
0: Right. Which is not to say you're not still achieving things. You wrote a book, I'm sure you do many things, but uh, but your fulfillment is not impacted one way or the other by doing or not doing these things. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I'm interested again in, in uh I know it's it's kind of getting into story territory, but I mean in your book, you know, you, you describe it seems to me you're describing numerous stages of realization or stages of, of unfoldment, stages of surrender and so on. And I presume that well, you said earlier you've gotten a lot of this from just interacting with people that you have Talking to in the last twenty years and but it also presumably reflects your own um, your own experience of integration or unfoldment or embodiment or whatever since your realis- since the realization so is, is that something you could comment on a bit? I mean how you progress through these various stages that you enumerate in the book or how the pro- how the progression took place or what what sort of uh, challenges there may have been, or maybe it was all totally on automatic. But, you know, w- lay us out a road map, if you will.
1: Yeah. Um, I guess I would equate the book to being just that, a road map.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If you've gone from Seattle to Los Angeles, you might be able to help others find the turns along the way if they're willing to be open and share where they're presently located. Um, that wasn't a progress. Um, and I don't even mean it to be as a teaching. I would think that it is more like a roadmap. That probably you're going to come to Portland before you come to Mount Shasta before you arrive in L.A. Mm-hmm. And that may not, may not be the case. There could be plenty of detours along the way. Uh, but everyone is going to experience being an ego, person, body, mind, body. And somewhere along the, the way, there's going to be a shift into being a self-observer, Somewhere along the way there's going to be a detachment being uh, the reference point of the witness, whether it's witnessing the world of form or witnessing the heart dimension. Uh, And so that's what the book is is basically a roadmap, an energetic roadmap. If you read just for content, uh, you're missing perhaps the uh, greatest gift of the book as far as what we spoke of earlier about the meditative reading. Mm -hmm. And so there wasn't any progress here as far as um, I guess there was progress thinking in the past of having the observation and being fully in the body and watching concentration develop as it did. Uh, But really, like I said earlier, it's sharing with people and understanding where they're looking from and then asking through questioning to come up with their own answers. I really, people already know When it's recognized, that's why the self observation is so important. That which is looking is already I.
0: Now, for instance, you mentioned uh, a little while ago that after 12 years the witness dropped away. So, you know, that seems like a, a significant milestone on that roadmap. There was. Twelve right. years. Twelve years of witness, and then the witness dropped away, and that was probably in, ten years ago that that happened, or eight years ago. Mm-hmm. So um, that, as a case in point, and there might be many others which you haven't told us about yet. Um, you know, what was the, what was the nature? What does that mean that the witness was there for twelve years and then it dropped away? And what was the ex- subjective experience with that
1: um, shift? Well, the witness is a um, reflected being, consciousness, bliss mm-hmm. and uh, so it might be even confused with the ultimate state mm-hmm. uh, so self-inquiry as the witness I um, recommend and to continue the inquiry uh, what can cause the witness to uh, surrender it all happens by itself spontaneously, beyond space, beyond time, beyond causality, this self-inquiry of being this feeling of i I would say is the way, it's the direct way.
0: So you say the witness is a reflection of, I, think, I forget how you put it, of consciousness and bliss uh, and so of on. Pure, pure consciousness pure being in bliss. It's a reflection, but it's not the actual... It's not the absolute. And so it's reflection in what? What is reflecting it?
1: Hmm. I don't know.
0: And. So, to be in that witness state for I would 12. say
1: mm-hmm. I would say, the, um, I often refer to the mind as a mirror uh-huh. uh, that is reflecting, but really, as the witnessing consciousness, there is no mirror. You recognize consciousness, and yet it's still a reflection. Uh, it's not pure.
0: It's interesting. So the witness state would be like, you know, looking at your rear view mirror and you see the car, and it's you, the car's there. You see the car, but you're just seeing, you're seeing it sort of vicariously or tangentially. Whereas the car starts to pass you, and then you see the actual car directly without any intermediation, without any anything. And and so th- what you're saying is, I'm just stating it, and you can correct me if I'm not getting it right. The in this witness state. Which, you, which was there for you for twelve years, there was a... Uh, co- pure consciousness was appreciated, and the bliss of pure consciousness and, and, the, and so on was enjoyed, or was lived, but it was somewhat indirect or, or vicarious. It wasn't...
1: Well, there was still um, the appearance of objects.
0: ah uh-huh. Separate which from pure consciousness. Tells,
1: which te- There wasn't any separation. But there was still the perception of objects.
0: objects. Okay.
1: Uh, which means duality. Yeah. There's no problem with the objects. It's the reference point of the witness, the subject. Without a subject, there are no objects, and all is pure consciousness.
0: So, there was, so during the witness stage, or phase, there was consciousness and then objects. And there was this separation or duality between them. Is that what you're saying?
1: Uh, I just experienced them as objects rather than experiencing them as I am, as pure consciousness. Right. In other words, there was the witness that would either be witnessing uh, either the empty or the full void, Mm -hmm. or witnessing the heart, or witnessing the world of form as objects.
0: Yeah, so and there it, was so there that, was that and then there were trees, and people, and cars, and, and all those things as objects. Mm-hmm. And then the witness dropped away, or the, that phase was...
1: And that's what allowed the, the full integration, mm. immediate integration.
0: Now, it's not sh- just witness and trees and people and cars, it's sort of all consciousness right of consciousness consciousness appearing as trees consciousness appearing as cars but it's all consciousness Mm
1: -hmm. and free of the labels you know we use the labels for communication sure and for for writing
0: functioning in the world like you know driving your car or something (laughs) (laughs) you don't sort of yeah get on the lawnmower and try to go to
1: (laughs) grocery store and ask if you could have a little free pure consciousness Right, right. Really.
0: But nonetheless, grocery store or whatever else, it's all seen as consciousness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, got it. And is that Uh, what you refer to as unity consciousness? You you use that phrase in your book a lot. uh,
1: Unity consciousness is, um, how I use the term, Mm -hmm. is uh, where there is a you and me that is merging as one. Rather than transcendental. Right. Realizing this pure beingness that is appearing as Rick and Katie. Mm -hmm.
0: And that wouldn't be the case in the witnessing stage because there would be consciousness and then there would be the external objects and they're not recognized as one. But in unity consciousness, you're saying, then you and I and everything else is all recognized as sort of one, contained within one totality or wholeness or something. Okay. I just try to repeat these things so as to make sure that we're on the same wavelength and understand what you're saying, you know?
1: Right. Um, Is it so important to really understand so uh, much if we're
0: having an interview, and if you've discussed these things in your book, you know, then mm-hmm. you know it was important to write them in the book. Then. Oh yes, no, and I
1: love that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I would just caution about talking about it, which is our uh, our opportunity today, which is why we're here. Yeah. Uh, but as far as anyone who may be listening, is it so important? That you mentally understand. What's really important is that there's direct looking.
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: And then there's natural knowing. It, there's recognition of what's what already is. Um, but if you're talking about, well, an instant, is the world real or unreal, and you want that answered, uh, that answer would change depending upon who's looking. So,
0: yeah, and depending it, upon who's listening to this, mm-hmm. uh, some things we're saying might be more germane to some people than others. You know, some someone listening might have been in that witnessing stage for a decade, and so this this description, your description of phasing into the unity stage, might be just you know what the doctor ordered. Mm-hmm. Whereas somebody else it might just be very far-fetched and theoretical.
1: Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Um, a- anything on your mind at this point? Not a thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just want to check. I want to make sure I'm not stifling you by talking too much. Um, so, are there any other things like that? You know, with the proviso that you know, understanding is not really going to cut it. It has to be an experiential thing. But are there any other things like that, where, such as in the book, you, for instance, discriminated or, or discerned between four different types of surrender? Uh, is there anything that you, that we can kind of break down for people that you feel might be relevant and interesting? You know, in terms of the whole this roadmap that we were talking about earlier.
1: Um. I would say, again, to, if you want to speak directly about surrender, is that mm-hmm. what the question is about? Well, that's there a case in point,
0: but that might be worth exploring, because I thought, I found that little bit in the book kind of interesting, where you had like four different names for types of or qualities of surrender. I thought, wow, well, I've never seen it broken down that way before.
1: Mm-hmm. I guess the bottom line of that would be to make it as simple as possible. Mm-hmm is that if it's in movement and changing, it's going to be surrendered. At the moment that you recognize that there's change, it can be released in the search for who you are. Mm -hmm. The only thing certain about the ever-changing is the fact that you are changed. As a matter of fact, you wouldn't even be able to see change if you weren't already changeless. So the bottom line of surrender rather than saying there's all these levels perhaps uh, is well it's just natural that you're going to meet what is required for you to see. If you're looking you can trust the fact that everything that needs to be seen and then surrendered or let go of might be even a better term for it it just is gone. It surrenders by itself. Mm -hmm. You don't even need to say, well, should I let go of this? Shall I not let go of this? That's the ego uh, trying to control things. uh, Just in the looking. Unconditional surrender is just... um, Well, really, it's unconditional love, allowing things to be just as they are. Uh, I don't... Unequivocal surrender is... You could just surrender your path to enlightenment, all your life situations, on, you know, the, to someone who knows the way. Mm-hmm. But I'd like to add there that it is very, very rare that someone would say, yes, I'll surrender my problems and conflicts, I'll surrender my search to enlightenment, and first and foremost, I'll surrender myself.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Everyone wants to get away from the problems and conflicts, but are you willing to surrender to your own self? Are you willing to look directly and see if that concept is true? That's an unequivocal surrender. Transcendental surrender is... um, who you are as essence, who you are now. I see your kitty tail.
0: Yeah, she. here's the tail, and here's the kitty.
1: Oh, Zen.
0: <laughs> Zen Buddha. Yeah, her name is Leela. Nice. This it, you, said, you said a number of interesting things there, but the, the one about it's very very rare for one to you know surrender everything, including your your self or concept of self. And um, y- usually one unders one sees that or understands that being in the context of a sort of a guru relationship, where you know you're with someone closely enough whom you can trust, and then you know can surrender to sort of that that cosmic personality, which can short, sur- shortcut the whole process, you know. Yes, and I'm,
1: um, I'm, I'm one that says, uh, you are Satguru. Mm-hmm. Allow your problems and conflicts to be. Are you willing to just surrender yourself? This is the invitation. Mm-hmm. I am within you, and I'm pointing only to you. What are you willing to surrender? And, well, I want to get rid of my pain, but I don't want to get rid of my pleasure. I want to get rid of my uh, anger, but I don't want to get rid of relative happiness. That's further out than this surrender that I'm speaking of, is taking a look at the subject. Will you surrender to who you really are? Will you let go of that ego? concept of I that's limited to body and then find of course that you're all of it it's completely integrated your own what Uh, what is
0: integrated I missed the word there even your own
1: own body I might have said I don't oh
0: your own body I see okay Mm -hmm. Hmm. now you deal with a lot of people I presume and and, Mm -hmm. one on one and also sometimes satsangs Um, how does what you're saying work out in uh, in practical situations i mean to what extent do you find people are willing and able and per, especially able to actually surrender is it really that volitional um or is it kind of more
1: it happens by itself yeah i mean i is this something it something one can just decide someone, to do or no. not, not so much no it's in the absence of you
0: yeah I mean, For so one, so often it's described in a way, and you've just been describing it in a way that makes it sound like, oh, well, I can just decide to do that and it'll happen. But eh, not, I don't
1: think... If you the, can stop and be still, Yeah. and just let go, be this feeling of i before it's co-opted by the ego,
2: mm-hmm.
1: all of the surrenders happen by themselves. And yes, in satsang, uh, there can be... Someone that is stunned, and you know the eyes become very large.
2: <laughs>
1: and yeah. you know, I, I've, I haven't done anything. There's no one here to do anything. Mm-hmm. So grace has its role. Mm-hmm. Maturity has its role, um, and yet it remains uncaused.
0: Mm. Resonance, as we were saying earlier. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, in at a beginning level uh, i've met with people individually where just as an experiment um, someone who was not interested in self-realization but um, was having a problem in uh, her life situation and uh, i just experimented with the question who am i and after after sitting together for a while and just watching the breathing and looking directly within her. Um, she opened up her eyes and her eyes grew wide and she said, there is no one here. Hmm. And the next thing she said is what a relief.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: And I'm not saying that even ten minutes from there she uh, identified and picked up the baggage, again, like we said at the beginning of our conversation, it's a has a great deal of momentum.
0: Deeply ingrained habit, yeah.
1: You watch a wheel, maybe a wagon wheel that's spinning. Right, right. It has its momentum, mm-hmm. and so you're patient, you allow the, the spinning, and it finally stops on its own accord.
0: I think the uh, the key point here is that, you know, I I mean thousands of people listen to these interviews, and in the back of my mind, I always have this sense of how what a diversity of people there there might be, Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't want anybody to sort of get discouraged or uh, you know misunderstand something if if possible anything we can clarify, but you know Uh, because I have had people say, oh, you know, I've been at this for 30 years and it's never happened to me and it's kind of discouraging and people have... But I think that for me the takeaway point from what you just said is that if there's sort of the sincere intention Mm and willingness um, to just sort of embark on this or to do whatever seems possible and appropriate in your circumstances... Then it'll bear fruit, you know, and and there, you know, and then there will be a progression. There'll be even even though you already are that and it's already there and so on and so forth. There's nonetheless simultaneously a progression uh, and an unfoldment if if one sort of has one's attention on uh, an intention in that direction.
1: Yeah, um, I meet with people for the first time who have been on the path for 25, 30 years. And um, they are perhaps most difficult to suggest, can you stop? Can you stop all the trying? Can you stop the searching? Can you look to see what already is?
0: Because they're so habituated to trying and searching.
1: Right, and they have such an investment. It's not as innocent Innocent as as that other woman you There's also uh, much knowledge. Right, right. All the books and satsangs and scriptures that i have read it could even um, can you just innocently be here now <laughs> and um, and be aware as you are and conscious in being it really is all quite simple
0: when you meet, sorry, and there
1: are and there are um, you know, a great variety of life stories. But of course that isn't the essential. The essential is the being. And that's this beautiful radiant love that is appearing as all diversity. Uh, Let's call it distinction. Allowing you to access beautiful talents maybe that your body naturally um, has as being born into form, but also being able to access a completely unconditioned intelligence um, that flows through as creativity. Um, So, the difference is, if you've been on the path for 25 years, is it possible really to stop? it? It does anyway if you have practiced long enough and the mind will finally give up. This is impossible to understand. I'm going to let go, and I'm going to let go now. I'm going to stop under, trying to understand this. And that's an amazing moment, because that's when we can call it joy rushes in. And there still may be some um, surrounding doubt, But at that point of maturity, you can see that it's just mind activity and really, um, well, it doesn't matter. It can even be adorable (laughs) in its attempt to reestablish itself. Mm. And I guess the other thing is um, what I call forbearance, I guess maybe uh, just a patience Uh, not only with awakening. Who you are is already awake. Can you be patient? Is it okay for you to suffer? Mm -hmm. How deeply can you suffer? Mm. Can you really allow the suffering of the collective state of ego consciousness? I mean, even those that are free of... um, Know the ego state, and yet there's suffering still, still appearing, but there is no sufferer. Mm -hmm. I would probably point. Have you gone into that void uh, that appears? Well, I would guess you could call that the experience of no experience. Mm -hmm. Uh, The mind might label it as nothingness. are you willing to explore that, the pain that's far deeper than your personal story, hmm. as collective human beings? How deeply are you willing to welcome it, and um, the one who is looking is the light? And the miracle in that really is that uh, if you can recognize directly that there is no night uh, and realize that there is a heart in the deepest darkness, uh, then truthfully uh, you are free. You're free of the fear. You're free of the fear of death. You're free of the fear of extinction. Uh, you've met death and you realize you've realized what that is directly which is realizing what's never been born and the fact that the ego state of consciousness is released and the body's here as long as it is.
0: I like that. I like what you're saying about patience. I, uh, I start my day every day by looking at NASA's latest picture of the day, which is usually some galaxy or a whole bunch of galaxies. Amazing. Yeah, and it's like you you kind of put things in context, you know, and you realize that in the course of your lifetime our galaxy doesn't even rotate perceptibly. And it would take 80,000 years just for light to go across it. So it does take that long. So, you know, in the kind of...
1: Oh, I was just going to say, it is so amazing. I mean, even in this moment, uh, this Earth is traveling through space at, I think it was 600,000 600, miles an hour, is that possible? Yeah, something like so that. So it must we, be 600.
0: No, 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 no. <laughs> Whatever. The, the, the world is rotating at 1,000 miles an hour, or, or actually more. Well, and also, but, the, but also the rotation of the galaxy, and then the movement of the galaxy, and we're really whizzing around, you know. Right.
1: So. And, and we don't even notice. Yeah, yeah. And so, those pictures that you're speaking of uh, on, uh, at the NASA website, uh, I really enjoy them as well. It's just, mm-hmm. I mean, what intelligence is this?
0: Yeah, exactly, and, um, and, it, and this, the point you made about patience, I mean, if you put your individual life in the, as, as, such as it may be in the context of that, you know, cosmic reality, um, you know, it, 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 for, for me, it um, cultures patience and forbearance, and you know, um, a recognition of like you were saying earlier, like the universe is my body, but then there's this little speck of Katie that people sort of relate to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, your uh, your ref- your reference just now to the the intelligence um, of the universe that's that's another topic that I think is fascinating. Um, and I think you allude to it in your book here and there of you know when you're describing scenes of viewing nature and and you know in Hawaii and so on uh just the the play and display of divine intelligence in everything and how how incomprehensibly profound and deep and vast that is it's
1: and gentle
0: and gentle yeah. And, you know and violent. I mean you know an asteroid could crash into our planet and we'd all be toast in a second.. Exactly. Good point.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's just uh, being fully and completely where you are in every moment and not so um, fixated on the content. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps appreciating the space beyond well around the content. Uh, and realizing that that massive space is arising within you and seems unfathomable and you're the source of it, which isn't quite fully integrated to say it in that manner, but that you are the source of all that universe that you're looking through those telescopes appearing. And of course you can't know the absolute, is beyond perception, it's beyond cognition. Uh, So this is why they say it's indescribable, not that it is so incredibly beautiful, which it is of course as being, consciousness, bliss, but there is no second uh, for the absolute, there's no one to know it, Uh, there's no one to perceive it. I am that.
0: Mm-hmm. Which may be why we have a universe, you know? Mm-hmm. I, am, I am one, may I become many. Mm-hmm. There's no fun in loneliness.
1: Oh, I know, and uh, what, how amazing mm. we must truly be
2: mm.
1: when you, well, you, as you said, look at the amazing child playing in the garden or an asteroid hitting earth. Um, or the push and pull of the tides, mm-hmm. the changing seasons. Uh, all of that is happening by itself. So maybe that little teeny life situation could also be happening by itself. Mm-hmm. You don't know when you were born, the body was born, you don't know when you'd die. Uh, Can you simply be present with what is? And I don't mean just sitting at a meditation altar, but are you free enough to spontaneously be moved to garden work or um, being a survivalist or an occupied protester or spontaneously um, playing that activist role or teacher role or mother? Whatever the roles may be, uh, consciously allowing it to live you. That's all said in a dual manner, and yet that's the conversation, use of words are required to communicate. Uh, And in that, there's such an ease of it all.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting to put it in the context that we just have, because sometimes when you just when we just speak of you know you are not the individuality you know you're you're really being and and, and so on it, the terminology is somewhat abstract, but if you kind of think of it in terms of cosmology and we are essentially that intelligence which is you know permeating th- this entire universe and and apparently giving rise to it. Uh, and you know, then we think of our of the so-called individuality. In the context of that, you know, it's like a it's like one of the trillion cells in our body. Uh, you know, although here we have a body that's one of the trillion, or six you know bi- six billion cells on the planet, so to speak, or seven billion. And that and now co- uh, astronomers are saying that. Uh, there, there are probably billions of habitable planets in our galaxy, and and then there are billions of galaxies, and and so and you know remind oneself that you know I am that intelligence which is giving rise to all this and this this individuality such as it is is just a little pinprick aspect right. <laughs> of that whole thing. <laughs> we want to
1: hang on to that, Pardon? and and we want to hang on to that. We want some guarantee that the ground is going to. Be below us if we let go, hmm. uh, or that life will. If we really let life live itself as it is, then everything would fall into chaos. And yet we can see the beauty of how all is happening by itself. I mentioned mm-hmm. the tides. You mentioned um, planets in the universe. And yet, Christ said about the are
0: they're, they're what collisions? Yeah. <laughs> But what was that beautiful place in the Bible? You've probably studied Christianity more than I. But uh, the, you know the lilies of the field, and even Solomon and all his glory is not arraigned as one of these. And you know, how is Jesus talking about just how? Uh, and uh, was that the same verse in which he said, "If if God is, go, uh, takes, take, yeah, if if God takes care of these, you know, insignificant things, even they, you know, imagine how much He'll take care of you." Uh, and I think that it's right up the alley of what you're saying about you know letting, uh, well to coin a cliche phrase, or, you know let go and let God. There's surrender into allowing that divine intelligence to run the show.
1: The uh, image that came uh, as you were speaking there was being in a rushing river mm. and uh, hanging onto a rock <laughs> for dear life. Yeah, uh, this is. I will not let this river lead me to the ocean. Mm-hmm. What would happen if you just stopped the trying mm-hmm. and let go?
0: Yeah. Or swimming upstream and not even hanging on to a rock, just trying to go in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. These are nice. These metaphors help, I think. They they help sort of because they actually point to something real. They're not just sort of little ideas. They they. They're just ways of, of actually talking about s- the reality of the situation, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Hmm. I, mean, I remember Nisargadatta saying, you know, well, with you, know, with you, digestion is automatic and breathing is automatic. And he said, well, with me, everything that you see me saying and doing is just as automatic as digestion and breathing are for you. Exactly. Mm. Hmm. All righty. Well, this is delightful. I find the more we talk, the more kind of I settle into the yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to the point where I don't feel like talking anymore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. uh. Silence is good too.
0: Mm-hmm. Is there anything else which comes to mind, which you feel we sh- you would like to cover or, or point out or say?
1: Doesn't appear to be.
2: Okay. Good. Uh, we
1: oh, uh, we're going to be in um, Asheville, North Carolina. Mm-hmm in July, excuse me, the first week in June, June. we're going to be in uh, Silver Spring, Maryland, mm-hmm. the, the second week in June, and then up in Toronto um, in the last Woodstock. week in July.
0: Yeah, July, August, that, that gathering that last,
1: Yeah, the last weekend in July, I believe it is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, and you
0: probably have all that on your website, right, your schedule?
1: dot KatieDavis.org.
0: Okay, and I'll be, and I'll be linking to that also from BatGap.com. So,
1: thank you. I want to thank you for um, all that you supply the community. It's a tremendous support for uh, the Buddha at the gas pump community, as well as mm-hmm. as for um, these so-called teachers. Uh, It's great uh, to share with you, and uh, it's just uh, uh, a wonderful service. Well, thanks. It's
0: it's, uh, not as altruistic as it may seem, because I just derive so much personal fulfillment from it, you know, that it's like, uh, you know, I just really enjoy it a lot. so it's no it, what i mean to say is it's not a sacrifice or a burden or a not any kind of toil and trouble by any by any means it's mm-hmm. something that um is very enriching for me and it's it's really enjoyable to kind of tune in each week to, uh, align myself with you know a different expression of mm-hmm. this and you know read the books listen to the recordings and talk to the person it it's sort of um keeps like enriching different, I think, facets of my own experience um, as I do that. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, kind of like a spiritual practice for me (laughs) in and of itself.
1: Well, it shines through. It's beautiful. Uh,
0: Thanks. Um, Let me make a couple of little concluding remarks. I've already made one, which is that you'll see a link to Katie's uh, website on mine, batgap.com, and there'll also be a link to the Amazon page where you can get her book. Um, and um, there are several other things you'll find on batgap.com a place to subscribe to an email notification so you'll get an email each time a new interview is posted there's a discussion group that gets quite lively around each interview there are like 700 posts now on the last interview i did um a lot of them are just little silly things but uh, you know somebody posts a frank Sinatra video uh, i noticed today but for the most (laughs) part they, they they become quite substantive also some pretty good discussions get going there um so you can feel free to participate in that if you're listening to this on youtube and you'd like to be notified that way just subscribe to the channel and youtube will email you when a new um interview is posted. There's also an audio podcast, so that if you like to listen to things while you're commuting or doing chores or something, you can subscribe to the podcast and hear this in audio. So you'll find a link to that on batgap.com. So thank you, Katie. You're
1: very welcome, Rick.
0: And say hi to Sundance for me. I'll be speaking with Katie's husband, Sundance Burke, next week, Um, and I'll try to read his book this week. Uh, So... And until then, I thank those who have been watching or listening for doing so, and we'll see you next time.